became very unhappy. Such merciful persons could not tolerate seeing all this killing. Purple, when demoniac persons engage in animal killing, the demigods or devotees of the Lord are very much afflicted by this killing. Demoniac civilizations in this modern age maintain various types of slaughterhouses all over the world. Rascal swamis and yogis encourage foolish persons to go on eating flesh and killing animals. And at the same time, continue their so-called meditation and mystical practices. All these affairs are ghastly. And a compassionate person, namely a devotee of the Lord, becomes very unhappy to see such a sight. The hunting process is also carried on in a different way, as we have already explained. Hunting women, drinking different types of liquor, becoming intoxicated, killing animals, and enjoying sex all serve as the basis of modern civilization. Vaisnavas are unhappy to see such a situation in the world and therefore they are very busy spreading this Krishna consciousness movement. The devotees are pained to see the hunting and killing of animals in the forest. The wholesale slaughter of animals in the slaughterhouses and the exploitation of young girls in brothels that function under different names as clubs and societies. Being very much compassionate upon the killing of animals in sacrifice, the great sage Narada began his instructions to King Prachini Bahisha. In these instructions, Narada Muni explained that devotees like him are very much afflicted by all the killing that goes on in human society. Not only are saintly persons afflicted by this killing, but even God himself is afflicted and therefore comes down in the incarnation of Lord Buddha. Jayadeva Swami therefore sings Sardara Hridaya Dashita Pasugaratam simply to stop the killing of animals Lord Buddha compassionately appeared some rascals put forward the theory that an animal has no soul or is something like the stone. In this way they rationalise that there is no sin in animal killing. Actually, animals are not 
dead stone. Like the killers of animals, are stone-hearted. Consequently, no reason or philosophy appeals to them. They continue keeping slaughterhouses and killing animals in the forest. The conclusion is that one who does not care for the instructions of sacred persons like Narada and his disciplic succession surely falls into the category of Nashta Pragya and thus goes to hell. Let's see what Nashta Pragya does that come from. Nashta Pragya. The word Pragya means perfect knowledge and Nashta Pragya means one who has no perfect knowledge. One who does not have perfect knowledge has only mental speculation. By such mental speculation one falls down and down into hellish, into a hellish condition of life. Guna Pravaha Patito. Nashta Pratya Bracha Yadaha. That's the other sound. Okay. Om Gana Dimirandasya Gana Sulakaya
the, ge the, the, the generally recommended course of action that's beneficial for everybody. This is karma. Be means activities that will bring a negative reaction, a negative consequence, a suffering. Although even in good karma there's suffering in reality. Which is why the devotees prefer to encourage akarma. Because with good deeds and bad deeds, there's still suffering because we're staying in the two world. Right. And, and that means jamma mitu jalaviyadhi, birth, death, old age, disease. Right. So even good karma is. Is bad. <laughs> good karma is bad. Yeah. Good karma has its negative points. It has its negative aspects. Which is why, you know, in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna one has to tolerate the comings and goings of material existence. We shouldn't be worried too much about what's going to happen in the future. We know what's going to happen in the future. We're going to have some good times and we're going to have some bad times. Huh? Has anybody noticed anything different? And you know, hoping that everything's going to be good is just flying in the face of reality. Huh? It's stupid. Because even if things are good, there's always something going on. Right? This is an and and Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, Dukkha Dosha Anandashana, that the, the, those who see with a, with, a, with a proper vision understand the faults of material existence very, very clearly. And so, therefore, they, we know, or we, we should know, and certainly it's our experience, that there'll be good, there'll be good times. And there'll be bad times. And so one has to then tolerate that because that's our ground. And, and, um, and so, you know, not too disturbed if there's something troubling or something, you know, there's a problem. And not too elated if everything is going fine. Because stick around, it'll change. It's, it's, it's the nature of material existence that it's always changing. But don't make it worse. Right? Don't make it worse. And so, you know, certainly the devotees encourage avoid vikarma. Because that's, that's just going to give you suffering. Right? And don't pin all of your hopes on you know, pious activities or pious behaviour. Because, because even in the reaping of the benefits of pious activities, there's still the, the inbuilt, inbuilt mechanism of material existence that will always be giving some pinch. Uh, always be giving some... Right? So... The devotees encourage akarma, activities that are 
positive in the sense that they're free from material reactions. In other words, they're activities that are performed on the spiritual platform. Sometimes difficult to discern the difference between them. Right? We saw, you know, Krishna's encouragement and bewildering the activities of the devotees. And sometimes Krishna, well, no, actually, most of the time, Krishna's activities are bewildering because he's in the material world and engaging activities that looks like what everybody else is doing. Right? This, is, this is bewildering. How is it possible that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead when he's stuck in the material world like us? Well, the answer, he's not stuck. And probably is a very nice example. The example is the governor of the prison. Right? Or the king. Right? When the king enters the prison, he's not going in as a prisoner. Right? He's going in as the king. In fact, he can pardon everybody if he wants. Just because he's going in the prison doesn't mean he's going there because he has to suffer some punishment. No, he actually has the power of going in the prison and telling everybody, okay, you're all now free. Right? Privileged position. So Krishna's like that. But Krishna's activities, because he appears just like a ordinary but in human being on occasion uh, uh, and, and the devotees also they appear like ordinary human beings they engage in activities that look like we, we live in a house we cook in our house we wash our you know, we do all the activities so. but because the focus of those activities is on pleasing Krishna and serving service to Krishna, then those actions are differentiated by the motivation of the devotee, by the motivations of the devotees, such that even though they look like the same activities of a materialistic person, they're not. They're not. Uh, 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 the devotees acknowledge that uh, everything belongs to Krishna. Right? Just like the bank teller in the bank. If the bank teller starts thinking that the money he's counting is his and takes a bit home, how long is he going to have his job for? Or, or that public servant in, in Western Australia. Right? They thought he stole two and a half million dollars. They just they just discovered it's twenty-five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so what's his fate going to be? He's going to, going to spend a fair bit of time in the in the in the penitentiary. So uh, and, and, and so this, you know, this is one of the one of the reasons why the materialistic mentality is dangerous because 
it sees hum mamedi I am I hum mamedi I am I whereas the vision of a transcendentalist is a hum ramasmi I am spiritual by nature and everything ultimately belongs to to Krishna and so therefore uh, with that understanding now it's interesting the, the devotee sees everything as belonging to Krishna but at the same time Krishna allots for each one of us a quota right so you know um, even though the devotees will see things as belonging to Krishna at the same time there's a sense of proprietorship for themselves also like Prabhupada would say you know uh, everything belongs to Krishna but if you try to take my wristwatch I'll fight you for it because mm-hmm. huh? we're all allocated to certain and some of us more than others and some less right and, and uh, but that portion or that quota is is respected and acknowledged even in, in societies you know ownership is appropriate it's not inappropriate but the mood of the devotee is okay this is mine but at the same time I understand where it's come from and, and so again we say what's it idam krishna idam nama this belongs to krishna it's not mine but actually it is you know, we shouldn't sometimes, you know, um, devotees think, oh, yeah, everything belongs to Krishna, so I can just take it. Mm-hmm. Right? I can just take it. Um, and people think like that, actually. In the temple, people think like that. We give away so much, so many things, and people think, oh, I can just take anything. The Hare Krishna is just giving, so I can just take anything from the temple that I like. Huh? It happens at this time of year. The ginger ribbon cooks Christmas cakes. Huh? And then, you know, the very strong around the kitchen. Oh, beauty! There's always a few just going missing. Huh? This is called stealing or pilfering. Huh? You can go to jail for that kind of thing. In fact, actually, you could be sent to Van Diemen's land <laughs> for doing so. <laughs> so, you know, there is a limitation to seeing everything as belongs to Krishna. There's also individual personal responsibility for looking after things. Right? Why I like to see, you know, the rubber. See that? Got no rubber. On the bottom, that scratches the marble. Put some marbles. They scratch many times, but still, what do you think? We should look after it. It's uh, it belongs to Krishna, and so uh, only the best. Yes, but it's 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 a poor substitute for the real thing. <laughs> Huh? Improvisation. 
Yes, which is unfortunately the default in a country that's beloved to all of us. Right? And it's a, it's a mentality that we should break. Although Prabhupada was very was, was pragmatic, but at the same time, you know, we should have the best for Krishna, not just some broken thing. But no. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one time, while I'm on a rant, um, uh, Bhikkhu Bhukha, Ben Swami, visited Melbourne a long time ago, 20 years ago maybe. And um, we, we'd done our Prabhupada's room, we renovated Prabhupada's room, we renovated a number of rooms upstairs, but my office had, and I was trying to save money and kind of making it, I was a bit pronounced. But, um, and so, you know, there was water damage from um, years before we replaced the slate roof on Prabhupada's house. Right? 1997, I think, we, we uh, replaced the slate roof. It was 100, over 100 years old at that stage. Right. So anyway, the water damage, and there's wallpaper, it was peeling off the wall. So he came to the office, we had a bit of a chat, and he looked around and he said, you know, you should pick this place up. Prabhupada wouldn't be happy, wouldn't be happy if it looks like this. Right. Wouldn't be happy. Prabhupada wanted us to present Krishna consciousness in a very pop, you know, in a, in a what Prabhupada said, first dress, then address. Right? Dress, and you, you see, Prabhupada was always neatly dressed. You, you don't see many pictures where Prabhupada's got a, a stomach. Right? You know what a stumble is? That's it, Prabhupada would shave. Shave his head, shave his face. Pretty much every day. So it's presentation. You know, we might think, oh, that's material. Well, okay, maybe if the motivation is just for one's personal sense gratification or just to show off. But if it's done with the right motivation and it's done, for presenting Christian consciousness in, in a competent and, and um, what's the word? Um, uh, Polish. Polish. Presentable. Yeah, so it should be neat, clean, tidy, and presentable. I'm making a problem at that point. If, if, uh, if, if, if uh, in relationship to the, the temple of the Vedic Planetarium, which is a huge project, problem at that point, you know, if, if there were headlines, you know, Bhakti Vedanta Swami is trying to have Krishna under a tree in my wall, who's going to be interested? But if he builds a big, huge temple, right? Even now, um, uh, the Vakinanda and, and a number of devotees uh, in, in India are now negotiating with the government of West Bengal to build a four-lane highway to Manipur. 
Because Prabhupada has put that huge temple there. Yeah, what does that mean? Oh, so many things. Yeah. Let's see what's practical. Let's have a road first. Yeah. We were promised we were promised a boat ride. They got a boat, but then guess what? It took too long. <laughs> took too long. It takes like six hours to get there by a boat. And not necessarily safer either. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you know, presentation almost is everything. So, out of compassion, learn to understand. We want to encourage people, give up the karma, give up the bhikkhama, engage in activities of akrama, of spiritual focus, of spiritual practice, of spiritual intent. So if we take the same kind of activities, but it's done with, um, with, with as an offering, the mood of a devotee is before they pursue some form of activity, then they make a prayer. My dear Lord, this is, I'm doing this for you. Idam Krishna, Idam Nama, this is for Krishna, it's not for me. Right? And, and they try to do those, and they do, they do those things to the best of their ability. Not cut corners. Oh, this is, you know, rough enough is good enough. It's not. It indicates the wrong mentality. It, it, it indicates a, a, a cheating kind of mentality, actually. Right? When you think about it. We should be putting ourselves wholeheartedly into what we do and not cutting corners or, you know, leaving things broken around the place. And, and there's a good reason for that, because the devotees are karuna atmanam. They see the sufferings of others. They understand the consequences of all of the ugrutana. They understand the consequences. Why they'll take from the materialistic persons and then offer it to Krishna? Because it benefits them. It's for their benefit. You know, sometimes the materialistic people misunderstand why the devotees are distributing books and asking for donations. They think, oh, they're just doing it for themselves. They just want my money. Yes, we do want your money, but it actually is for your benefit, not for my benefit. I'm not taking money for myself. I'm taking that money and I'm going to offer it to Krishna and use it for encouraging everybody, more people, to understand the importance of, of spiritual life and, and the dangers of material existence. Very dangerous. You can um, 
And, and, and looking for the sincere, looking for the sincere, you know, we avoid the demons, because as Rabbi points out here, they can't understand these principles, but there are innocent people that do and can understand. That's what we're looking for. We're mining, or we're prospecting. Right? When you're prospecting and you're looking for gold, most of the time you come up with dirt. Right? Most of the time you come up with dirt. But every now and again, you come up with a, a nugget, a gold nugget. Right? That's what we're looking for. And, and when we find such persons, we, we encourage them. And, and go to great lengths and expend a lot of energy to do so. You know, sometimes the devotees will be doing uh, Sangatana and meet somebody and they say, you'll be a really good salesman. Right? You'll be a really good salesman. And the devotees generally can be hard, you know, because in those days we would, all we did was sell things. Right? It wasn't books, it was paintings, it was candles, it was t-shirts, sweatshirts, Cookies, clocks, stickers, key finders, key finders, yeah, <laughs> stupid stuff. <laughs> but why? Why? Just because we wanted to make money. Not well. Yes, we wanted to make money, but we used that money printing books and then distributing those books. Buying temples, buying property, uh, buying deities so that we can worship. So the devotees understand the importance of akarma. And you know, basically devotional bhakti, engagement in bhakti. And, and so um, being merciful and compassionate and seeing the precarious situation that people putting themselves in, the devotees go out of their way to create an environment where they can uh, take a book or take some prasadam or hear the holy name. Because gradually that will purify them. That, that is what's called agyata sukriti, very powerful. And over time, that constant hearing of the Mahamantra, the, the the honouring of Prasada, or the looking at Prabhupada's books, and you know, eventually one day actually reading, and then thinking, oh, well, that's pretty far out, and put me down because I don't understand it. <laughs> that happened to me once. I knew where all the Hare Krishna books were in my friends' houses. Because in those days, um, the devotees were basically distributing the Bhagavad Gita, which was a big book, very um, um, uh, conspicuous. And, and the nectar devotion was a fluorescent pink, and the Krishna book was a fluorescent blue, light blue. So, you know, they always stuck out. And uh, I remember opening up one of my friends said, opening up the Nectar of Devotion and thinking, oh yeah, let's have a look at this. 
And then it was a description about Krishna playing in the forest with his gathered friends. So, these guys, this, you know, I, I had a very impersonal conception of who God was. And then here was a description. And I was thinking, how do these guys know what God looks like and what he does? Huh? So I thought, ooh, okay, I'll just close the book up and put it back in there. Wow, that's pretty far out. So, you know, I, I got the benefit later on. I read the book. Couldn't understand it at all. Uh, I remember reading my book again and just my head was swimming. I couldn't read a page. It was too hard. Like Bhagavad Paramatma. Just all these Sanskrit words. And I was thinking, oh, my head hurts. You know, if you, if you, if you read something but you don't understand half a dozen words on the page, then it really... You've got, to go, you've got to go back and look at it again and work out what's going on. Um, you know, the first book that I read that really inspired me like anything was Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers. Because, well, one of the things was there was a lot of Sanskrit terminology because Prabhupada was just preaching to Ramadita, Bob Cullen at the time, I think that was his name. And, and he was asking all sorts of questions about Christianity and Judaism and, and a whole range of questions appropriate for somebody coming from you know the Western culture, proper responding. So that really made a lot of sense to me. Inspired me, actually. Then of course, over the years, after reading the Bhagavad Gita, you know, for almost every day for a decade or so, I finally kind of worked out what Bhagavad Gita was all about. Well, didn't work it out, but at least to read it <laughs> and understand everything on the page. So, this, this Agyata Sukriti, somebody reads a few words and they get benefit. They get purified. They hear about the Supreme Personality of God here. And they hear about the fact that we all have a relationship with Him. We all have a relationship with God. And we can re-establish that relationship. So that's the that's the akarma. Or the activities that are free from material reactions. They only bring about more spiritual engagement, more spiritual activity, more enlightenment. So uh, um, the devotee, and, and so Prabhupada says here, you know, Vaishnavas are unhappy to see uh, hunting women, drinking different types of liquor, becoming intoxicated, killing animals, enjoying sex as the basis of modern civilization. So the devotees are unhappy to see that because they know that all just brings about a Suffering. You know, there may be some temporary illusion of enjoyment, some happiness that comes from that, but it's interesting. In the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says that happiness is the enemy of the conditioned soul. Because he thinks he's having fun. But actually, he's just creating more trouble for himself down the track. <laughs> 
So the devotee is unhappy to see that. Paradukaduki, they don't like to see the suffering of others. So therefore, they're very busy spreading the Krishna consciousness movement, which is what we have. What is the, the devotees distributed? How many, how many books this week? How many thousand dollars worth of books? Anybody remember? Six thousand Let's have a look. We have modern technology at our at our fingertips. Let's have a look here. Scores for Saturday. We'll see how hard the devotees have been working. There's a lot of books. Nearly a thousand, oh, yeah, a thousand books distributed this week. No, more, more. That was just, that was just yesterday. Thirty-five hundred books. That's hard work because that means you know one person for each one of those books plus nine cents. So that's Manachi sold 15 where's is Manachi here? And she's taking it so $1,500 worth of books. Oh just three, thirteen and fourteen hundred. So hard work. Huh? People and people don't just come up here and say, ah. Oh, I've been looking for that book. Where can I get it? Can you give me what the people don't? So, it's austerity. It's austerity. It's interesting, isn't it? Today is uh, the day that Krishna recited the Bhagavad Gita. Mokshoda, a codicy. But it's interesting that Prabhupada didn't really make much of a thing about the rest of the, the Bhagavad Gita being recited on this day. Prabhupada made a big thing about distributing the Bhagavad Gita every day. This is Prabhupada's focus on the Bhagavad Gita. How would you sit down and you know, Sri Bhagavan, Vajra, I mean, Chanaway, and we think, oh, I'm doing really good, I'm chanting the Bhagavad Gita. It's not bad. I don't suggest that you don't do that. But Prabhupada's focus was put the Bhagavad Gita, get it as pretty as you can, put them in a bag, go out on the street, and give it to others. Uh, 
This is, yes, you should read Bhagavad Gita every day, but then if you read the Bhagavad Gita every day, you understand the importance of the Bhagavad Gita, so you should now go and give it to others. You know? That's what we should be doing. We should be giving the Bhagavad Gita and finding all of those people who've never heard of the Bhagavad Gita. You know, it's easy to distribute Bhagavad Gita to, to people who know the Bhagavad Gita. That's not what Prabhupada wanted either, when you think about it. He wanted the Bhagavad Gita to be given to people who didn't know about the Bhagavad Gita. That's real mercy. Huh? You know, you know where the best place is to distribute books? The devotees tell me, you know where it is? Huh? Kapak. What? Where? Where do they say the best place is to distribute books? Does anybody know? Google, Google, Google. Where's the best place to distribute books? There's no book distributors here that will go on. Gone out. The Hare Krishna Temple is the best place to distribute books. It's the easiest place to distribute books. Well, go on. Of course it is. But really, we should be going out and giving the Bhagavad Gita to the people who don't know about the Bhagavad Gita. That's why Prabhupada translated the Bhagavad Gita. He left India. Why did Prabhupada leave India? Why did he do that? Actually, it was hard to preach to I'm interested in spiritual life. They're just chasing the West. I'm going West. Well, that's what he did. So, the best place to distribute the Bhagavad Gita may not be the easiest place to distribute the Bhagavad Gita. When you think about it, it'll be the hardest place. But of course, we want to cut corners. Right? We think, okay, I'll cut a bit of a corner here and it'll be, I'll get the job done. We'll have distributed books. But in one sense, just stick, hanging around the temple and distributing books to all the pious people that come to the temple, that's not really what Prabhupada had in mind. Not that we shouldn't do it, and not that we shouldn't recite Bhagavad Gita. I'm not suggesting that we don't on this particular day. Because a lot of people come, you know, they, they, um, they're pious, they're pious people, but we want to get to the impious people, <laughs> when we think about it, you know, uh, not go to the place where it's the easiest, but go to the places where people really need it. And so Prabhupada says here, the Vaishnavas are unhappy to see the hunting women drinking liquor. Huh? Drinking liquor so much that the young men and the young women don't know what they're doing. The young man thinks that the young woman is giving permission, but she's so drunk she doesn't even know what she's doing. Uh, and he's drunk, 
and so focused on what he wants, he ignores everything else, and then what happens? Gets picked up by the police and shunted off the court, and ends up ruining their lives. They end up ruining their lives. It's very common, very common in Western or well, yeah, Rabbi says modern civilization. People getting so intoxicated that they don't know what they're doing. It's called a blackout state. Right? Blackout state. One gentleman, uh, uh, you know, there are people who research, well, for obvious reasons, there are people who research these things. Right? One gentleman uh, uh, woke up and found himself uh, in a hotel room and um, he um, his clothes were all neatly hanging in the wardrobe huh? and um, he woke up and he felt a bit hungover and um, um, he couldn't work out how he got there didn't know how he got there and as it turned out he had um, uh, you know, this was like on the weekend. He started drinking on the Tuesday. Right? <laughs> he, he had gone into the, what they call the blackout state and then had gone more plane ticket, flown to another city, went to the hotel, you know, put his book, book in, and, the, and the, the receptionist said, oh, he was a little bit drunk. Right? So, you know, Due to intoxication, people go into this blackout state. In fact, most people are in the blackout state because they've forgotten Krishna. They've, they've completely forgotten who they are. And just like this young, this, this young man, you know, he, 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 he had slept in a hotel room for two days. So how much had he drunk? This is quite phenomenal. So, most people that we meet, many people that we meet, they're in the blackout state of forgetting Krishna. Uh, and we need to wake them up. You know, what did Bhaktivinoda Thakur say? Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago. Wake up, sleeping souls. And this is, this is one of the reasons why we put so much effort into book distribution. And why that book distribution should be to everybody. Lord Chaitanya encouraged the preaching to everyone, regardless of caste, of gender, of social position, of wealth. Everybody should be given an opportunity because they're all spirit souls. Yes, and in this way become a guru. In this way become a guru. So, this is our business, actually. So, yes, um, people have fallen. And I think we need to emphasize that too much because we know that. But what is required is, you know, this the, the mentality of doing everything for Krishna and doing it the best we possibly can. You know, I, I remember I used to do the kitchen growing up. 
And uh, it used to cause me a lot of anxiety because I wanted to be clean. But it took a long time. And, and the way it was like to work, you can go in the kitchen and they clean within two hours. And it would always take me three hours, sometimes four. The first time I did the kitchen cleanup was um, I left the kitchen after midnight in tears. <laughs> By the way, it was, it was the day I got, the, the day I was shaved up, the first day I lost everything. Everything had been taken away from me. My girlfriend, my car, the house that I lived in, everything was gone. And then I was, after four hours in the kitchen, just in tears, because it took me so long to, to do the job. But I, one of the reasons why it took me so long was because I wanted to make sure that it was properly clean. I'd see other devotees would do it, and they'd skip things, or they, you know, wouldn't, they'd cut corners, but I, I always felt, um, I shouldn't say this, I suppose, but I think it's, we should have that mentality that whatever we do, whatever service we offer, it should be done, you know, to the highest standards. Uh, the temple should be kept to the highest standards of cleanliness and punctuality and presentation. And that requires work. It requires effort. It doesn't happen by itself. But if we do our service to the best of our capacity, to the best standards, to the best of our ability, Krishna will see that and he'll reciprocate. He'll reciprocate with us and give us deep insights into what it means to be a devotee and what it means to be compassionate to others. That's the, that's the you know, because it's sacrifice. What we do is jangya, even if it's just sweeping the courtyard. Or chanting our rounds. Actually, it's Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, and get it wrong. Kolo Nasteva, 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 It's the only way, right? Chanting Hare Krishna. But all of it is a sacrifice. And if we sacrifice to our utmost, then Krishna reciprocates with us. Right? And when you give to Him, He gives back. Uh, and, and gives back in, in many ways. Many, uh, um, so, you know, when we're doing our services, when we're preaching, um, we should not try to cut corners. We should uh, appreciate the benefits, the real benefits of, of putting the extra effort into doing things in such a way so that it, it, the offering is always of the highest quality, you know, of, of cleanliness, of punctuality, of, um, you know, if you're cooking an offering for Krishna, that it's, 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 um, when you look at it, you want to eat it. Huh? 
Not that you shouldn't, you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> often, obviously, but it should look good. Right? It should be done to the best of our capacity so that it looks just like, whoa, that looks good. That's why we put the cover on it. <laughs> That's why we put the cover on the offering. Because there'll be people who go, whoa, that looks good. <laughs> but we, don't, we do it for Krishna's pleasure, not for our pleasure. You know, what, what sometimes happens is the cook cooks and then he keeps it for himself. But that means there's some ulterior motive. I'm either keeping it for somebody else or I'm keeping it for myself. Wrong. No, it should be cooked and just give it to Krishna and then distribute it to others. That's the best offering. Because that's free from personal motivation. Or cooking for somebody else. Oh, can you cook? You know, something for me on the 7 o'clock, that's, that's wrong, actually. You know, the problem mentality is, Idam Krishna, Idam Nama, I'm not doing it for anybody other than Krishna. And then I'll just distribute it freely to everyone. That's the best kind of offering. Right? Not that I'll keep it for my husband. Although sometimes when it's interested in cooks, I think. Hmm, okay, I wonder if a ginger will keep a bit for me. But I shouldn't. Well, I shouldn't. Should you think, okay, that's for Krishna. Let it go. It's all his anyway. And Prabhupada says, you've got two hands, he's got ten hearts. What are you going to hold on to? But then if you do that, the, 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 the Quran, you know, what... When you're surrounded in Krishna, you've only got two hands, he's got ten hands. What he gives you, you won't be able to hold. Huh? So we should, you know, we should, as a community, we, we need to um, avoid the shortcut mentality. Right? It's predominant in India. Right? Everything's a shortcut. That's why you're driving down the highway, and then all of a sudden you see a huge big bus driving towards you. You're <laughs> an idiot. This is the left hand side of the road, and you're not on the you're on the wrong side of the road. Right? But it's, uh, it's okay. It's a shortcut. Huh? It's a shortcut. And you know, I, I don't think Indians have a monopoly on this mentality, but it's certainly prevalent. <laughs> Very common. So we should be careful. We, we're predominantly, uh, uh, you know, our, our ethnicity in Melbourne is, is influenced. We're influenced by these things culturally. So we need to, it's something we need to get rid of. We're not in a poor country, and it's not like we don't have facility. We've got facility, and we're not poor. Anybody here, Paul? How many people here live in Albert Park? Please raise your hands. Yeah, well, you're not poor people. <laughs> St. Gilda East or West? <laughs> but we're not poor people. So that's why we should be offering the best to Krishna. Even if we're poor people and we're living in Albert Park, we're pretty well off. As poor people, right? We live near the temple, 
and we get fed sumptuously every day. We feast like a king. Anyway, just some thoughts. Some thoughts on preaching and serving Krishna. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy preaching. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that we all have to go out of all distribution. Just looking after our families is preaching. Going to work is also preaching. And being stable. Being a stable community of devotees is also setting an example. And God, I wanted that. We should understand the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. We should also understand how that's applied. And so generosity and uh, uh, equanimity and being uh, available or uh, merciful to everybody is a symptom of that culture. Right? It is a symptom of that culture. Giving. And the devotees actually like to give. You know, like to like karma, you know. Uh, karma love to cook. Right? And always to the best standard. Right? Always to the best, you know. Karma would, if, if we were cutting out potatoes, then karma would cut out the potato. And then he would put the size of the, each individual, he'd put it on the windowsill. So that's what you've got to, this is how you've got to cut it. And of course, you know, with the Brahmacharyas, we're all just cutting the nose as big as possible because it, it's quicker. And God would say, nah, wrong. Yeah. And then get on your case. What are you doing, you idiot? Cut it properly. Huh? And in those days, we were, we were only cooking for 150 people. You know, we didn't have a ditto. Nowadays, we've got a ditto and we just choose the, the colour that <laughs> does it for us. Uh, we don't have that problem anymore. Except when we go to go parts. Have you seen, you know, in that salad, sometimes you get those big bits of broccoli. Mm. <coughs> it's like a baseball club. <laughs> this corner cutting. Huh? So, you know, corner wanted to hear, and, but he was... You know what they, what they used to do? Um, they knew that the young brahmacharis, me, at that time, were, would be um, not very good servants of the Sunday feast guests until we had something to eat. Right? So what they used to do was, we were allowed to eat first. <laughs> because then if we'd eaten first, We'd be peaceful and relaxed, and we would treat the guests nicely. <laughs> but if we hadn't eaten first, what do you want? <laughs> you know, Rudiger used to stand at the front gate and tell people, "We're not having a Sunday feast today. <laughs> you can go home." He would tell people, "You can't come." Didn't want too many people coming. But Corman's mood was, and he got great satisfaction out of cooking these wonderful feasts. You know, I remember one time we did 
stuff puris, and and so we were cooking the puris and they puffed up. Then you break the top and you put in the sour cream mix and vegetables on the top. So they were fantastic. And, and we only had 150 people coming, but you know that probably took us three hours to make that prep for 150 people. Because, you know, they were going to eat two or three each. The dramatists ate four each. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, there's just such a deep satisfaction you experience by cooking a feast, cooking the best you can, and then just giving it to others, and then seeing them so happy and satisfied, taking Krishna Prashadam. So, yes, high standards with the proper motive, please, to to, to satisfy Krishna and satisfy the devotees. Even even, uh, the devotees who have forgotten that they're devotees, the people in the blackout mode, uh, they're they're almost, they're demons. What is this? Hunting women, drinking liquor, intoxicated, killing animals, enjoying sex. This is the basis of modern civilization, but we happily give them prasad, give them books. And you know, for many people just chant Hare Krishna because they can't read the books and they won't take prasad from the devotee. So what do we do? We just go and deliberately give them the holy name. And gradually, gradually, gradually over time that the presence of the Lord is deeply felt. So that gradually purifies everybody. And that's the mercy of the of the devotees. And here, Karuna Atmanam. Persons who are very merciful. That's, that's what we should be, very merciful. Does anybody have any comments or questions?
we have to take our time, right? So, like, how we should serve Krishna should decide how should we plan the time. But I'm just answering that question. How many, how much time have you got left after going to work and looking after the family? Maybe two to three hours on weekdays, um, and we can like five, five hours each. Okay, you've got two hours for chanting the Japa. Yeah, right. taking hours. You've already done that. Yeah. Okay, you're not doing too bad. If you've got two, three hours, um, half, half of you need some time for yourself, right? You need time for yourself. Because if you're always giving, 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 you'll get fried. Right? You'll, you'll have a mental breakdown or whatever. So, um, try half. See how you go. And if, it, if you've got more time and Cover everything else and do more. It's going to be an individual, it's going to be a calculation for the individual to make, and it'll be different for everybody. Huh? So, and, and be practical. Yeah. What are you good at? Do you, here's another question do you know what you're good at? Okay, that's good. At your age, I'm, just, I'm guessing what your age might be, you should know. If you don't know, then maybe you're a no-hoper. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, what do you do that? What do you like to do? Do that for Krishna, I would think. And even sometimes what we're good at, we actually don't like doing. <laughs> But do that for Krishna also. And um, yeah. what's your what's what are you good at? I like uh, the sloka um, and um, the um, sharing the realization different lectures. So I <laughs> try to discuss yeah. it. But what about in terms of occupational activities? What are you good at? I'm the the company engineer. So uh, what kind of engineer? Um, I'm more about the um, database and... Uh, You're a software engineer. Yeah. I, I could probably find something for you to do. <laughs> yeah. Have a chat with uh, Krishna Siddha. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, my previous work as a, before I became a developer was as a bricklayer. I was working on building sites. So the ladies asked me, what do you do? And I hated it, I didn't like doing it at all. Uh, which is probably why I'm not doing it now. But um, I said, what did you do? I said, oh, I was a bricklayer. I said, oh, great, we've got some bricks that we want you to lay. I think, like, oh, no. I drove home Christian moment to get away from this stuff. Now they just got me back doing what I was doing before. But of course, it's the mood, it's the, it's, the, it's doing it for Krishna. Is whatever we do. And certainly the things that we're good at, because we'll be satisfied with doing that. And the things we would like to do, good to do then for Krishna. Anything else? Anybody else have a comment or a question? Or are you worried about whether there's going to be anything left for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Quando io ho scelto la vita,